that was oh. that was my uh that was, was my, that your impression of me no that was my uh wolf that's very respectful to sleeping babies oh that's good yeah um we've got two doors and a 125 year old house here he's gonna be hearing us regardless and uh he'll sleep right <laughs> through it that was in reference to my child who's asleep in another room right now for the record so um yeah so it's it's just me david meggs if we have any new listeners what's up and james eisenhower just the two of us just the two of us Bow. you and um, i yeah you and i brad stare he's on the ones and twos but uh not with us in the present right now he may jump in in uh post not but. to um stop everything you're saying but i'm going to all right so why is it the ones and twos when people are doing something with technology and not the zeros and ones? It's a great question. It's a great question. That may be in reference to channels instead of like binary or whatever. Because the channels like on a, on a board, it doesn't There's start with one. zero. It starts with one. There's only one one though. Right. There's the plural so why ones plural and twos. That's a great question. There is only one. one Maybe it's channel. just one of those things that if you say with confidence, people are like, "Oh man, yeah, that guy must be important." And Absolutely, the, the it's like thing. it's like being in the South, in Southern Mississippi, and hearing you all, both as singular and plural. It's not you alls, or they don't change it at all for just one person. So I don't know, man. And they say it very confidently. And actually, I say it now. So Confidence is very important. It Speaking is. Speaking of confidence and being important. Yes. I was reading about Walmart. I love where this is going. Do they have a good deal that we need to jump on no, right now? No, I, okay. I partially wanted it to be known that I read the entire Walmart Wikipedia page <laughs> just because I was trying to find out the answer to the question, when did Walmart start giving groceries like start having groceries in their stores because Lacey may and i got um like overly pedantic in different tv shows and whatever when they'll like mention something and we're like is that accurate to the time because it was uh, an episode of the goldbergs that uh kyle okay. told me to listen to shout out for kyle she said something about it being a better deal than groceries at walmart or something and we were like wait this is supposed to be the 80s when did they do that which they hadn't yet it was in 89 or 90. All right. So take that, Goldbergs. There Get your you dates right. But anyways, all that to say, <laughs> Walmart started early, it was like 1940s, something like of that sort, 40s, 50s. And then it was only in Arkansas um, until 1968 when it moved to two different towns. And those towns... These are out of the state of Arkansas. The only the only two towns... Like the first towns it moved to out of Arkansas. But you can't guess what one of them is. I'm, I'm probably... I'll probably screw it up. I would assume it's going to be a state that touches Arkansas. That's going to be my it's first fair. assumption. I'm going to go with Memphis and Kansas City. Sykeston, Mississippi. I mean, that was your Sykeston? third choice, right? And Claremore, Oklahoma. Shut... What? No. Right? It's <laughs> the first place that they put a Walmart outside of Arkansas Claremore, was Claremore, Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Not Tulsa. Claremore. That's really interesting. 
Dude, how on theme to a podcast named Everything is Okay when we rarely talk about Oklahoma. This is perfect. I love it. It's not often you can take megastores and be like, you're welcome, megastores. You have Walmart got their start because Claremore is so awesome. I'm I'm just going to go with that. That's basically was the leaping off point. That's really surprising, though. So this was in, you said the 60s, late 60s? 1968. 1968. The population of Claremore in 1968 had to have been, if I had to guess, I would say between eight and 10,000, maybe even less. Because when we were there, it was roughly 17,000. Something like that. And I couldn't see it jumping aggressively, or more aggressively than right. that, between that period. So I'm going to assume that it was 10,000 or less. And they picked that town because it's roughly, I guess, an hour and a half or so from Rogers in the area where Walmart was headquartered. And maybe they didn't want to compete with uh, Tulsa's grocery store chains maybe that were... I think they were already at the point where... It was it was good enough. There was there wasn't really competition because mm-hmm. so the first official Walmart he had either, other stores initially he owned other stores and had franchise like was in a part of a franchise but then started the first official Walmart in sixty two in sixty uh, eight when they expanded to Claremore they were doing twelve point six million dollars in sales a year and by nineteen seventy they were. At Forty-four point two million dollars a year. Wow. They uh, and that's not. They that's, entered the stock market in seventy-one, and that's corporation yeah. sales. Yeah, and by the eighties, they were doing fifteen point nine billion in the eighties, and they hadn't even done groceries yet. Yeah, that's pretty wild. So yeah, they they dominated everybody. Um before it didn't take very long that's legit man that's a that's a but nice basically all that to say when they when they left talk. arkansas they went to claremore of all places i saw that's, that and i was like that's nuts, i feel like man. somehow someone's tricking me it would be really elaborate and not that good of a payoff but it's, it seems like a joke and it was on wikipedia right it's on wikipedia brad did you put that did you change did you wikipedia? somehow know did you that know i was going to be looking gonna look it up? at it yeah that's pretty wild. It would be super impressive if he just had an, a feeling that I was going to read the entire Wikipedia page <laughs> of Walmart. So uh, speaking of money and lots of it, supposedly, um, I was trying to find something really interesting about the Killing internet. the segues. Thank you. Thank you. I was trying to find something interesting on the internet today, and unfortunately... <laughs> I went on Twitter, which if you ever want to be just disappointed in humanity or want a good laugh, go on Twitter. But don't stay there very long. It will bring you down. Some news It's on like pre- being in a hot tub. It is, man. It's great for a little while, but yeah, you but don't want to be good. in there too long. No. It's going to affect your blood pressure. You're going to get wrinkly. Twitter, the hot tub of the internet. <laughs> it is the hot tub of the internet. So it's a President Trump trending kind of topic, which usually is like yawn right like Stephen Colbert I'll say something way more interesting than we, what we would say on this podcast but I thought it kind of fell into our realm because I read President Trump quotes radio host calling him king of Israel is the headline 
And I'm like, oh my gosh, are you are you kidding me? What? President Trump quotes a radio host that called him the king of Israel. So people are freaking out on Twitter right now. So he, he like actually quoted verbatim what this radio host guy named Wayne Allen Root uh, said. Oh, Wayne Allen Root. Yeah. Are you all familiar with Wayne? Apparently he's got a following. But it basically says President Trump's the greatest president for Jews and for Israel in the history of the world. Um, and the Jewish people in Israel love him like he's the king of Israel. They love him like he's the second coming of God. He continues on, but I want you all to just wrap your head around that Trump, from his actual Twitter feed, like he actually posted this in quotations to give himself a shout out. James, what, what is, should we, should we be alarmed or is this, is this just another Trump move? I don't, I don't know. I would love to jump on this train of thought with you, (laughs) but what just happened, idioms are ridiculous and you just said, wrap your head around it. I thought, what a terrible thing. (laughs) The visual of that is appalling and you lost me right there. No, I I went away. I need Um, you to stay with me. (laughs) So Yeah. So now on Twitter, as you're thinking about this, so we don't have dead airway, basically, <laughs> Antichrist is trending on Twitter, um, King of the Jews is trending on Twitter, and this is all in reference to Trump reposting this because he was obviously very happy with what this radio host had to say about him, which is in character with the Donald Trump that we've come to know but it's still extremely uh, it's disturbing for me personally. And, it, it, and this isn't just a, oh, let's hate on the Republican president. This seems like something that is very alarming. Like, everybody should agree. That's not cool. Like, his boys his boys <laughs> should have been immediately texting him and being like, I think you may have crossed the line this time. Right. Like, I know you've done a lot of outlandish and really offensive things, but this this is serious. Like, there's people on Twitter... At the same time, do you risk it? Because if people call him out in a way that he addresses, he doubles down. He does. And... You do want to the poke the double down and one step further from second coming of God and king of Israel, it gets a... Uh, yeah, no one, no one wants him to take that next step. Right, and and you know the worst, the worst thing is I saw at least one person. I'm sure there were more than one. Make a reference to the last guy who called himself the King of Jews uh, was crucified, um, and I was like, oh my gosh, like, yikes! And the last guy that called himself King of the Jews was also the antithesis of the current American president. Well, let's be real. The main thing that's funny about it is that God said a king is a really bad idea for Israel. <laughs> so, true. so just declare yourself as like the best thing for Israel because you're like a king of Israel. God's literal description was all the ways of, if you have a king, this these are all the ways you're go- they're going to do terrible things to you. So maybe it's fitting. Maybe. Maybe, man. But that's uh, that was some disturbing news on the old internet. So, the old internet. Um, yeah. There you go. Whatever. It's no Walmart Wikipedia page, but I mean, that was a good That's story. true. That is true. Um, <laughs> oh, man. 
Oh man. So is there anything joyful in our lives right now? I I was thinking another corner that we could take or to, uh, basically revisit every other week when we talk on this. It's like, what is, what is God working on you about or with or what? You know, like, is God doing anything in your life just to like, fix your I just issues? like some of the language there that's like, this doesn't work well in a sentence. <laughs> yeah, I just had to keep <laughs> it's, going. It's Christian language. I was like, That when you uh, use it, it's funny because it, it definitely happens in prayers a lot. A lot of the the Christian language is hard to continue in a sentence with because it's just. I have I've never thought about right. that. And so there's yes. so many times where people will say something that sounds really godly in a prayer because they use a spiritual language, and then you just give that pause. The oh crap, I don't know how to finish this sentence. Pause. I'm so glad that you put me in that corner. Um, <laughs> I was definitely not trying to say anything uh, in Christianese, but not saying you were. But that's that's where that. Oh, that's where it went. Kind of goes. Yeah. I'm there. Holy, holy, holy. Let's lift our hands. Straight up, though, I was thinking about, wow. like, what is what is God working on me? Like, what's he doing? How is God working on you? How is God working on my character? And I was thinking about the... Um, I was listen- I'm listening to this book by uh, Peter Enns right now uh, called The Sin of Certainty. And... Um, it's really been working on me in a, in a couple a couple ways. I think I think one of the more challenging issues that I deal with is um, reliance on myself, like to accomplish whatever I need, to work to provide for myself, um, and then as you get more money or more security, at least in the American sense or the worldly sense of like, hey, I can pay my bills and then some. Um, it's easy. To just trust in yourself, and I I, 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 I share this today on the podcast because I know that I'm not alone in this, and right. there's many listeners probably today that also um, fall into this trap. And Peter Enns kind of makes a connection between the, and I obviously am not a biblical scholar, so let's get that out there. But in the interpretation of the word faith. In the Bible, it's actually more like faithfulness, which he likes to basically put the word trust where faithfulness or faith is to help not only himself but other people around him understand maybe more clearly what was attempt they were attempting to communicate about a faith in God is more of an action or a trust or of a bending a knee. Right. Um, relying on something that you can't really put your finger on that a lot of people don't think is real and actually trusting on this being to provide for your needs and some of your wants and and take care of you and i think that's that's really helpful for me to try to like rely on that because when you hear the word believe in god you know have faith in god like it can seem um shallow or like a concept that can kind of come and go like belief wavers faith wavers um trust isn't is an all-in it's a a trust uh, it's easy for me to make a connection between a child's trust for their parents like they just assume that they're going to take care of them you know 
And that's why I think we, we see in the Bible childlike faith. It's a childlike trust. Mm-hmm. It's a childlike trust in a, uh, a God that um, actually cares about our day-to-day. And, um, yeah, that's kind of what I'm working with right now. So there you go. There you Th- go. Thought I thought I'd share that. That wasn't very funny, but um, that's I'm what I sure got. Someone thought it was. Okay, good. <laughs> that's a good. Yeah, you're probably right. You're probably right. The, prob- the probability through the uh, spectrum of different people we have listening, that's someone true. thought it was funny. That's true. But yeah, trusting in something that's bigger than yourself that may or may not exist—that is kind of a humorous thought if you are not a believer. So. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, even if, I mean, there's plenty of people who um, aren't in a place right now where they believe in God, who maybe the only extent that they can go at the moment is um, belief in a pattern of living, that it will make you live life to the fullest. So even if you can't believe that there's um, a cosmic being that set all this in motion, there, there's a starting point potentially, of this way of living, this way of caring about people, loving people, and pursuing love in a certain way makes life better. I mean, everybody I've known, whether whether they're doing it on a basis of faith or not, if they're pursuing love, all, all of them seem happier. I like that. I like that, man. Well, that's probably a good point to transition into uh, today's topic and uh, I'm going to throw that over to you because you actually talked to today's guest pretty sure the only way we can have a true segue oh, is something you're fully aware of <laughs> oh did we already sing in today's episode a little bit it didn't count <laughs> Kyle's back Kyle's back all right everybody I bet you'll never guess that Kyle is back <laughs> So something that I do fairly often, by fairly often I mean on Tuesdays, is I I have a lot of time of thinking through, like anytime I hear things, I have a lot of like why and what does that mean other than just what we typically think it means and whatever uh, moments. And so I I get pretty in the weeds with different things. And uh, question where things started in in faith and all different kinds of things all the time. And uh, so I figured, basically, as I'm thinking through all of them, like I can look stuff up and, and I look stuff up and read different things. But my brother, he's, uh, he's going to school for this stuff. And um, I basically have decided that he's going to school so and doing seminary stuff. So he can answer questions for me. I've basically decided that. That's perfect. So thanks, Kyle. Thank you, Kyle. So on Tuesdays, I call him and we'll ask him normally three or four random questions that have nothing to do with each other. And some are about the Bible. Some are like penal substitutionary atonement. And then it'll be, I don't know, questions about Elvis or whatever. Like just random questions. And so figured um we try recording one of the times that i had some questions i figured i would uh, get his take on so that's what this is so uh here we go y'all enjoy
Okay. So, Tuesday questions. You mm-hmm. ready for this? Oh, I am. So, a lot of we the, the last episode we did, and then more and more things this week keep coming out on um, the people leaving the church, and then other people being mad at them for leaving the church, and that sort of thing. Uh, so, just a, a softball starting one of uh, is there a healthy way to deconstruct without leaving past mentor mentors hurt and betrayed? Hmm. Yes. So we're we're jumping on deconstruction like n- not even not even an on ramp, huh? Nope. Yeah, I like it. So you're really concerned with like how it feels to mentors or people who've talked to you in the past as you're deconstructing how they might react. Is that kind of right? So it seems like as soon as people start to deconstruct or honestly, it seems like people have been deconstructing for a long time and then come out with their revelations of this is where I'm at now. Um, It leaves a lot of people who looked up to them as mentees or people who were in leadership above them and or whatever uh just anybody involved really feeling like um they hate god they're betraying the whole thing just all the negative stuff like full articles written on how bad those people are for doing it so is there a healthy way to work on deconstruction yeah i mean i think i mean we're talking a little bit about this phenomenon that's probably prompted by a couple of uh, famous, I'm, I'm doing air quotes here, famous Christian authors or musicians or something who've come out and posted something about about leaving the faith because of their deconstruction. And first of all, I wonder why they feel the need to announce that <laughs> in such a way. Um, I don't know what, what they're, well, I guess what they're saying is, I got this wrong, so you followed me into the thing that I, that was wrong. So now, now I figured it all out and I'm going to tell you, so you should follow me and what I figured out. I, I I don't know. I don't really understand the need to proclaim to everyone that you've changed your mind and that something's changed, but maybe, um, I think the thing that gets me about it a lot of the time is that it's sort of, a, a like dropping a bomb or something just almost like shock value of sorts rather than the deconstruction being sort of this process maybe. And I would say it's not even deconstruction. And I think they're like, it's all like torn apart, exploded by the time they say something about it. So it's, it's sort of like we assumed everything was good and all of a sudden the next, most people hear about it is everything is bad now. I'm done. I'm done with all this. But we also don't know what went on behind the scenes in a lot of these relationships, you know, I would hope that there are, have been conversations with, especially mentors that would, maybe there, that's something that's been a hole in their relationship is why they haven't had it. But I mean, I've read, I've read extensively on the Josh, Joshua Harris stuff. Cause I don't know, were you, were you a little young for I kiss dating goodbye or was it still no, around it was when still you were a thing? Was okay, for sure yeah. Thing. yeah. All that purity culture and the I kiss dating goodbye stuff. I mean, I I feel like um, as I've read about him, his if he'd have talked to his mentors, he probably has. They all were like, yeah, right away asking questions. They'd say you're going to hell if you even ask those questions. So I don't know that in his context he could have had a healthy way, if that makes sense. Um, but then uh, I think of the other. I feel like that's the way a lot of people feel though. Yeah, which keeps it secluded. So yeah. then what what is the healthy way? 
Well, I mean, this is, I mean, this is, there's like a fundamental issue here and that, that there's a, there's this, um, I don't want to knock their traditions. I haven't been completely within their cultures and know exactly what went on, but I, I do know that Joshua Harris was in a very fundamentalist brand of Christianity that, that pretty much idolizes certainty and defense and knowledge as the way to know. Um, it's very, very much about you must know the answer. We have the truth and we must be able to fight for it um, in an apologetic sort of way. And you're setting yourself up for something when that's how you've set your system up. So what that means is if you can prove me wrong, then it doesn't work. So we can, we've got all the right answers, but if you can prove one of our answers wrong, then it all falls apart. That's essentially what he's, what his system is meant to be. So how is he going to healthy? How's there, there's no healthy deconstruction in that system. You can't ask those questions because if you do, you're out. So it's not a system that is designed, um, this certainty is not designed for people to be able to ask questions, which I think is a damaging thing in the first place. You, you, your deconstruction always is going to result in everything falling. If you, if you build your house in such a way that you pull one brick out, the whole thing falls down. Eventually it'll fall down. So essentially for multiple cultures of Christianity, there just isn't necessarily a healthy way. It's just separation from it. Uh, I think healthy way maybe is moving to a different tradition in order to deconstruct that. Um, I think there are plenty of faith communities that maybe have a, a way to approach something or to help people in something that if you if you found a home there, um, there would be a lot left. I wouldn't know if I'd say salvage, but to, to kind of assist you in your moves and your questions. I mean, I think that's what we've seen in a lot of people probably that you follow are here. There are, there are plenty of those people who've kind of switch the tradition to one that maybe allows them to question things a little bit more. Right. Um, that's not to say that there's one, there's one tradition that's 100% right all the time, but maybe one, you know, I think there's certain people who are going to question and there's certain people who just, they aren't, they don't care. They're, they're, they're a person who really loves authority. They're an Enneagram six. They're like, give me authority. Tell me, the things to do and what I should follow and I will do it. I don't actually want to ask questions. And maybe for those people, that's not what they need. But then there are the people who are going to want, they're going to want to ask those questions. And that's, that's natural. I mean, we've been talking a lot about that. We're going through the life of Moses right now. Let me tell you, this is like when you go through the old Testament, you just kind of get hit with all this stuff. Like the plagues are cool and all when you're talking to kids, but talking about how many people were killed as a result right. of God's actions and <laughs> which, the innocent which is a super Egyptians. weird thing to say like tons of people dying I mean it's cool when you talk to kids about it but right no that I mean that's it's it's the um, Egypt's a, a terrible empire so we should feel fine that all the first one born died even their children who did nothing that's not an easy thing and so as we're as we're discussing this we keep saying we gotta have to find a way to tell people that here's a lot of ways people have tried to wrestle with this, but we don't really have a way to say, this is how it is 100% of the time. Believe it or you're out. Instead, it's, it's, this is hard, and we admit it's hard. And we believe anyways because we believe this is God is good and it's a beautiful story, and we, we have an uncom- incomplete understanding of it. I mean, don't be certain. Hold your hands open. And we say, like, we're saying, 
in that case, for instance, we should our posture shouldn't be to try and figure it out. It should be, let's mourn the fact that a bunch of Egyptians died, even though they are evil. We should mourn the fact they died, and we should rejoice in the fact the Israelites were freed, and we should there's a tension there that we have to live in. And so, I, I don't lose my faith because of that, because God, right. I don't understand how to explain God in that instance. So it it's the difficulty in working through like deconstruction type things to me feels like um, when there's people who try to impart so heavily, this is the way we view the Bible. If there's any form of progression or leaving the exact path that they believe, even if it's a parallel path that almost everything is the same, except for a few things, there's still that betrayal there and it's very difficult. So, in that same vein, this is one of the few times where a second question is somewhat connected. Mm, so for yeah, usually is not for the idea of progression of faith. Then, um, it feels like so often in in churches that I've been in, the way it's communicated is people kind of have a fear of the Holy Spirit. They don't know what that is, and. Like there's all the uh, the memes talking about don't trust yourself, like you're evil, everything you think is evil, don't trust yourself. But that's kind of how Holy Spirit interacts is <laughs> like a lot of self-figuring out of things. Um, even in like if, if God speaks to you personally through the Holy Spirit, then you have to have personal discernment to figure out what those things are. And so it feels like a lot of the time um, in traditions that I've been a part of, um, the Trinity is God, Jesus, and the Bible, mm-hmm. yeah. and not God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, um, and lots of language of parts where it probably meant Jesus when it said Word of God. They've switched to this stagnant piece of literature that, yes, there's continually things that can apply, but like further, further development. Like, is that all that, that Jesus had to say, the Bible? Is that all that Jesus had to say? Um, and you're, what do we yeah, do you're, with that? You're, you're essentially asking about progressive revelation, which has been hotly debated for a long time. The question is, does God still say new things to people, and are we still hearing new things? Right. And we've had instances where I think <laughs> there's a lot of false uh, hearings. Let's, let, yeah. I mean— they're always Joseph have Smith, right? <laughs> he heard from God. He wrote a whole new book based right. on that's, it. I mean, that's what a lot revelation. of the Bible even was, was them saying, hey, y'all have gone a different way than you're supposed to. There's false things being said. Like That's yeah. that's a thread throughout the Bible even. Yeah. I mean, that's most of Paul's letters are trying to correct someone's bad theology or trying right. to fix something. And then when you consider canonization of Scripture, there was a lot of other things that you know, we're, we're followed a, for a long time that maybe didn't make it in. Um, probably all of them pretty good reasons, but at the same time you think, well, how was that not God's word? And what we ended up with is part of that is just believing sovereignty of God, but that, not even speaking canonization, but considering even today, what, what we hear prophetically, you know, this is speaking prophecy and in, in tongues is kind of a scary thing, especially when you talk when you're old old Southern Baptist. Um, right. uh, man, I mean, that's rough. I do think God speaks. Um, I don't know how how much I'd say that God speaks um, as a like uh, 
here's for all people for all time, but more of he speaks through the Holy Spirit to certain people in certain communities for the times and for the places he has them. Um, and, and that hearing is one that is usually, it should be uh, heard and filtered through a couple of things. Um, this is kind of this term called binding and loosing they speak of, where it says, whatever things have been bound in heaven, you bind on earth, loose on earth. This is speaking right. about how God gives us the authority as his people to make these decisions sometimes on how, you know, certain things, as we're talking deconstruction, there are certain concepts and things in scripture that we say, how how do we apply this? This is really hard to apply to our life today. And that's that's a work of the Holy Spirit in his church community. People gather together, uh, reading, discerning together, praying the Holy Spirit's work, helping to decide what to do. And, mm-hmm. But the, all that is through a, a lot of areas, I think. I mean, it, I, I would say first that revelation that God has is not going to contradict what he said before. Now, with a caveat, sometimes people have just misinterpreted what they thought God said before. We can say slavery. This is the easy one. People always say, it looks like God condoned slavery if you read it at surface value, but we got rid of slavery because I think we, we've we realized that's not really the spirit of what was being said. But really, it's speaking to a, a time and a place and a people and all sorts of different constructs that were going on in, in the Bible. I would say the Bible is all about freedom and uh, against slavery, although... It might, might, it did at one point. People held up slavery based off of scriptures that they followed. So right. interpretations certainly can be wrong. So right. I would say, within that community, we may discern that all along we've been interpreting scripture wrong. And I think, as kind of bringing back what you said before, where the, the deconstruction, where people get upset as mentors or something about almost hurt when you have a divergent path, maybe. Yeah. What's What's interesting is. It, they're not like upset about your relationship with God falling away necessarily or about you pursuing Christian community. It seems most often they're more upset at their way losing of right. their interpretation, not being accepted anymore. And so I, this is the, the interpretation thing is where it, is where it gets really messy. People think they're not interpreting, you know, they right. think, I'm just reading the Bible and doing what it says. It says it and I do it. Exactly. I'm right. not inter- changing anything. But you're completely changing it because you're reading it at a different time, different period, you're tra- in different translations through lenses of your community, through lenses of your preachers and your traditions. Those are those are all interpretations. And so you you got to realize you got I mean I think we should look to past interpretations to help inform what we're doing now. We don't just throw it all out. But also, there's something to holding loosely where we think we've figured it out. Say, we're open to what God will tell us through his word and through his people. Right. I mean, it is it is difficult in wanting to draw the line of these people are right, these people are wrong, and that sort of thing. Because, um, you know, I've heard different people um, kind of bash some different standpoints of Southern Baptists and then group Southern Baptists is everything Southern Baptists do and say and whatever. And I think that it was a huge help to both of us to grow up Southern Baptist. I think there's so many amazing things that happened. And for um, stretches of lives, like especially for, for kids growing up and to youth groups and even that phase, um, 
the way Southern Baptists do church is great. It's very helpful and is, is pretty wonderful. Um, yeah, and it's so easy to say, well, now I don't agree with some things, so let's throw it all out. But yeah, I, I also... think a lot of people are really binary in that way. They're, they're right. all or nothing. Right. But so getting back to the, the original question, it feels like um, kind of the view um, was Jesus died. When he was crucified, the temple curtain was torn. Like, you no longer have to go through a priesthood. There's access to God. So he gave us a book. And then peaced out again. <laughs> That's yeah. what it feels like, right? It was like, you no longer have to go through priests. Here's a book. Go through this book. This book is your mediator. Yeah. I mean, that's that certainly has been true for a lot a lot of traditions. And I that's not necessarily always been true throughout history. I mean, mediation has been through... I mean, the church was the mediator. When I say church, the big C, and I definitely mean, you know, medieval church, Catholic church... The institution itself became the mediator, then became the Pope who's the mediator. Again, almost formed a new priesthood system, just like the old one. And then, then the reaction was, oh, this is Protestant Reformation. No, we don't need that for access to God, just like you're saying. But then that turned into Scripture became, we all had access to Scripture because we didn't before. But then after that, it almost became an idol of its own of sorts. Um, and a lot of that is a deficient um, training in the works of the Holy Spirit. And I mean, I'm, I'm going to tell you, I'm I'm terrible at it. I'm terrible at listening, discerning, and praying. I spend much more time studying uh, to try and learn and understand than I do praying and trying to listen. Um, and that's something I get, have to get better at. I know I don't do that nearly enough. Um, maybe that's part of that's just the way our brains are wired. You know, uh, do you know who Hank Hanegraaff is? The Bible Answer Man? So he was this guy who was, he had a radio program. It was essentially apologetics radio. I mean, he was, I'm trying to think how many years, 20, 30 years. I'm just, I'm just throwing it out there. Don't fact check me on that one. We'll just tell it, say it's true. But a long time, Bible Answer Man, people would call in with Bible questions and he would like, he would like perfectly apologetically explain it and get people to do the right thing to know the right way to believe. And um, the interesting thing is that he kind of out of nowhere had a big old change, but it wasn't a change like, um, like we've been talking. He actually converted to Eastern Orthodox, which is the furthest thing from head knowledge. It's so much of it as practices and it's, it's very mystical. It's very mystical. Eastern mysticism sort of thing in the church. So think like uh, Rome, I mean, Russian Orthodox or Greek Orthodox, that sort of like strain that, you know, when the church split, the great schism, so it's way before Protestantism, Catholicism. This is back when there is a, you know, rival popes in different areas and, and discussions on certain theological points that it split. So there's a church in Constantinople, a church in Rome, and they never got back together after that. A large portion of the of the church split, and and there's a lot of stuff about Eastern Orthodox Church that I'm I, I'm not at all a uh, I'm not an expert in the theology. I there's just things I've read that I think oh, it's so sad that we lost that part of who we are. 
that part of we are as the church. As a Western church, we are very cerebral, um, extremely cerebral. And I'd say Protestantism, um, with getting rid of iconography, uh, the iconoclasm, uh, when they when when they just kind of destroyed all this artwork and imagery, uh, that we kind of are deficient on some of those other ways to understand God, which sometimes are in mystical prayer or in meditation or in just uh, in art and in um, music, but not in music and then let's sing these words of theology, but in transcendent architecture. Um, I think I think we miss out a little bit on listening to God when the way we worship is actually aimed around a speaker, like a classroom, standing up front, uh, taking information and pounding it into our heads to try and make us believe and understand, rather than um, a little bit more of a practice-based, a little bit more of a, uh, again, my own personal devotional time needs to be much more of a, a time of meditation and praying and instead, it, it, it tends to be more of trying to learn. Um, and, and I think that we all have that issue. Hmm. So don't try and understand. Just listen. <laughs> Next question. Oh, good. Let's hope this one's like way different. Pumpkins. Um, not necessarily. Jeez. No. Okay. Though Maps. earlier today... Lacey May asked us, our, our pastor just had a baby. Well, his wife did. It would have been oh, oh, impressive. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, but she was asking me, like, hey, what gifts should we do for for his kid? And I sent her um, information on prices of um, big cat prices, like prices for baby tigers and ocelots. Oh. And I thought you were talking like, like the like the... Firecrackers. Oh, it's no, no, black no. cat. Like okay. actual like tiger cubs and stuff. Because <laughs> they're all, they're a whole lot cheaper than you'd think. Um, <laughs> you it's twenty five hundred for a tiger. It's not bad. It's only nine hundred for a bobcat. So I told her I think we should go bobcat because <laughs> that's more within our price range. And she shot me down with a book. So mm. sorry, Mike. Wait, you're like only she getting threw a book. the book at you. No, she just said we're getting a book. Whatever. Uh. So that wasn't a question. That's just a little bit of insight on my Tuesday. Mm, sounds so, like a good Tuesday. Memes that I've seen a lot lately that mm-hmm. pop up at random um, circulations of time, and it feels like once they pop up, there's a ton of them, are the uh, the idea of um, if God wants it to happen, it'll happen. If he doesn't, it doesn't. So don't worry about it. Hmm. And then that sounds very spiritual and like, oh, man, you must really know and trust God. But doesn't that completely wipe out the idea of free will? And is that just one of those like, oh, whatever, it's fine if people think that it doesn't affect anything? Or is that a big deal? Oh, I think that's laziness. (laughs) I think a lot of it's just not wanting to really engage or do hard work that it's saying God, well, that'll, that'll just happen one way or another. I mean, that's, that's kind of one of the big uh, knocks on Calvinism and the predestination discussion is that what, what results from someone thinking that the sovereignty of God is so great that he already knows who's going to be saved and he's already predetermined it, that I don't actually need to, 
tell anyone. I don't need to share. I don't need to help anyone. I mean, I don't really need to do anything. God's got it. He's going to do it all. So why would I, there's no, there's no mission or evangelism at that point. Right. That doesn't necessarily always result, but it does sort of change a mindset. If you think that, then are you going to do anything? Does, are you going to try and do anything to change what you think is an injustice or a problem or an issue? It's not necessarily faith to say, oh man, the world is just, you know, there's so many people hurting right now. I believe God's going to fix it rather than like, oh, you know what? I think God may want to fix that through me. <laughs> right. Ah, he is going to fix it. He's telling me there's a problem, so I should go and do something about it. Right. But it it's a lot like easier it, to to have like false piety and say God's got this. Right. And it seems Hashtag like that's God's got this. definitely something that's just um, involving how you're supposed to do things because it's also often coupled with rants about various things that they think are horrible that are showing the end of all things. But if that's the case, then didn't God want all of those things to happen? Because according to that thought process, nothing happens that he didn't specifically want to happen. So are there bad things then? Or is everything the will of God? Oh man, you're getting all problem evil on me here. That's a, no one's been able to figure that one out. But I mean, that's, that is, that is the deal. Like if, if a God is good, why is there bad stuff happening? If he can do everything about it all and he causes it all to happen, then why is bad stuff still happening? And then when you, then when you, you're in with someone during suffering, how do you even share with them that the, the one I hate is the taking verses out of context in moments right. like that and saying, oh, well, all things work together for good. All things work together for good. Right. You're like, shut up. No, don't, don't tell me <laughs> right. that. that. Oh, it's really good that you had a family member die. You know, right. God's going to work that together for good. Yeah. Um, I think that's the tension thing we were talking about earlier. Like there's a space where, We've lost a little bit about mourning and considering that maybe and probably likely God's mourning what has happened. Um, yeah. The idea you know, that we know there's Jesus all sorts wept of, knowing he was going to bring Lazarus back. Right. He knew idea. he knew he was bringing. So that's, that's like mind blowing in, in a, such a crazy sort of way. Yeah. He, he wept. He mourned death, but he knew he was bringing life. But he, pro- he also knew that Lazarus was going to die anyways after that. Right. He was going to raise him up and he was going to die again. Right. And there was going to be more hurt and more pain. Um, and he still interacts and, and he's still with people. But that's, I mean, I think that's, I think that's a perfect story because that means God, he joins us in our suffering, our mourning. He does things about it. He calls us to do things about it with him. And then he joins in rejoicing whenever there is rejoicing. And would, I mean, what a, what a weird world would it be, though, if Jesus just kept resurrecting everyone? If, yeah, it'd be weird. Yeah, we, right now we're hanging out with zombie Lazarus. I mean, right. That guy would be really famous, right? Yeah. Yeah, it'd be super weird. Hmm. So. That sounds like a good TV show idea. Zombie Lazarus? Zombie Lazarus. He is not quite a vampire, but he's just Is it like, in there when he died a, the second time? No, I think it. I think it's probably after Jesus' death and resurrection. It doesn't and mention I Lazarus mean, anymore, I don't think. I don't know how he wasn't more famous. I've always we wondered this. Go with like, that premise. You're the dude that Jesus raised from the dead. You were dead for how many days? What was that like? Did you ever wash off all that dead skin? And he stinks at some point, you know? Well, along those lines, for eternal life, why do people look for 
the cup that Jesus drank from instead of Elisha's bones. Hmm. Yeah. Or right. Why? Why? I've never once heard of an expedition trying to find Lazarus or uh, Elisha's bones, even though apparently a dead guy touched them, right, and came back to life. They have searched for the Ark of the Covenant. That just killed a guy that touched it. So I, right. obviously that it's, was a bad move. weird priorities and all that. Yeah, come of on. Indiana things of Jones the Bible to search for. And Nazis. <laughs> on that note, I was going past uh, one of the things. It's one of the Christian schools in town, and they're the Crusaders. And I think that's terrible. Mm-hmm. Don't be the Crusaders. Yeah. That's not a high point in Christian theology. But you have Leviathans. Why are no Ooh, Christian Leviathans schools Leviathans? Oh, there, there is a, like, if you look at Christian schools, there are a certain number of mascots that you know there will be one of like six or seven. Let's say Lion, we can say Crusader, the Knight. Lions, Crusaders, Knights are like probably the top three. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, that, that may be mostly it. Lions, Crusaders, Knights. They may take some other indiscriminate, like it could be a Falcon. Falcon, maybe that's almost people. Or the Eagles. That's eagles. that's good. There's good ones. He who waits on the Lord. They'll, but at they'll, the same time, lions and eagles are overdone. Go with go with a leviathan, because it's like it's literally talked mm. about as like the most hardcore thing. Well, the leviathan's a lot too. Leviathan's also supposed to be. Um, here we go. I'm not saying it's not real, but. It also Leviathan also is supposed to represent the deep, which is where chaos and disorder is, and ultimate evil of sorts. So, like the water itself, as an image of chaos. That's this is right. the creation story. Water is ultimate chaos, and that's like a, a thing to be feeded because God is a God who takes chaos and brings order feeded. out of chaos. He's God of order. What you said, feeded, not fed. Feeded. I think you said. I said. Defeated, like oh. as in I heard he feeded. won against it. <laughs> feeded? <laughs> What's you uh, defeated? I don't think you even heard the rest of what I said. Nope. That it's like when somebody says, "It is my my duty." <laughs> I don't know what you said. Like, I, I, just, I don't know anything duty. else other than that. I heard you say uh, duty. Oh, so crusaders are pretty bad with the uh, idea. Um, that's pretty prevalent right now <laughs> through a lot of the articles I was reading, especially with Josh Harris. Um, and one that we actually just talked about on a recent episode. Um, there was the idea mentioned of, um, I don't think he was a Christian because if you leave the faith, you were never oh, a Christian. Yeah. The once saved, always saved kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So if we believe that, are these um, very public people leaving things that make a lot of people leave the church? Is that not a good thing? Yeah, because then they're... It was all people who were faking it, right? Who weren't really Christians. If yeah, they left. That's... that's so, my, are those that, not good things? Like, shouldn't that be rejoiced when it's like, cool, they... Like, the, like my when Lacey May and I were talking about it, I was like, that's like if you pull one big weed in your garden and all the other weeds come out. You wouldn't be like, oh, man, <laughs> this thing got rid of all the foliage. <laughs> It's it's a good thing, right? Now you're going to wheat and tares on me. That's the parable of the sower. I mean, I, I that's such a hard thing. I think that's such a judgment on people's uh, what salvation is. I think I feel like we've had this discussion before. It's always trying to decide. With, was, it, was it recorded or was it just on some random phone call we had? Um, 
the 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 nature of what uh, conversion and salvation is has been way too binary, in my opinion. It is that we think it's a uh, you check a box by getting this thing done. You it's transactional. You say do this and this and this. That do these magic things, right. and you will receive the coin that gets you to heaven. You are now in heaven club, and and I would say that's it's not nearly that uh, clear. As you look at what conversion is, um, there are times in scripture when conversion is your parents get saved. And so the whole household is saved as a result of one person coming to faith. Um, The determining of me and my house. Me and my house. And then there's there's just a confession. But what is belief? What, What do you actually have to know? A lot of times we think you have to like understand certain things to say, I believe in Jesus. I can tell you everything about Jesus. And so I believe, and I, that means I'm therefore moved from one side of the, the aisle to the other. And I'm in the believing camp, meaning I am now saved. Right. Um, and I, I just would say it's not, I mean, life is not that binary. Like we, we go back and forth and I mean, I have, when I'm trying to decide what to have for dinner, for instance, I go to a restaurant. I'm, I have a lot of, I have a hard time sometimes bigger the menu the harder because it all looks good and the longer the waitress takes to show up to take my order the more times i change my mind on which thing i want to eat um and i think that people throughout their life have different understandings and different ways they see who christ is and i think the we, we kind of figure that this is what we've reduced it to i have to come to a point where i have figured out one way or another what i have decided I have decided to follow Jesus. Mm-hmm. And then once I've done that, no I'm turning good. back. No turning back. Instead of saying, um, there, there's a long process of salvation that I'm continually being saved, not through my works that I have done, but according to his mercy, he has saved me. Right. This is, this is completely a, the work of Christ instead of the work of me and my belief and my mind. And so when we say someone like that, we say, oh, they were never saved. I, I would say they could still be saved with the power of Jesus. They right. could not be. And it's not for me to decipher, even if they say they don't believe in those ways, it's the work of Christ that saves them. It's not anything they do or say whatsoever. Um, and so I, I, I just think it's dangerous when we try to say our formula for saying this prayer and baptize, and then you stay within this church tradition or else you're out Man, that, that's that's really hard for me. I mean, apostasy is a real thing. Usually apostasy meant you were being killed throughout most of history so right. or sent out of your community to die in the wilderness. So it's just a new thing where people are able actually to do this. Before, you couldn't say, I don't believe anymore. I'm, I'm done with this. If you did that, you're like, oh, you don't believe anymore? You're, you can't live in our city anymore. You have to you know go out into the country somewhere and live by yourself, which means you're right. probably going to die. Yeah. So it's it's sort of a new thing, and yeah, I think I rambled a little bit there at the end. Totally fine, which is yep. true. I always do. It's Tuesday. That's what Tuesdays are for. Tuesdays are for rambling. I I feel like I have this like, I don't know if there's a podcast, but it's this guy I follow on Twitter that you so have to to check out. It's pretty hilarious to me. He has a blog. His name's Matthew Pierce. I don't know if you've ever followed him. He the name essentially <laughs> he um. He tweets all these like hilarious saying he's an evangelical thought leader, mostly like he's homeschooler. He was a homeschooler and he talks mm-hmm. about all these homeschool jokes and 
he'll he'll like tweet at someone like um at like uh, John Piper or at you know Tim Keller and ask him like will there be butts in heaven yes or no or <laughs> super inappropriate things that's awesome it's pretty hilarious will there um, be butts in heaven well he asks all these que- he always has these questions like but he has this post it's like uh, Christian school mascots are ranking and he he has a whole listing so there's that number seven is the tigers Interesting. number six <laughs> Number six is the fighting ga- gaithers. Nice. <laughs> Number seven is the virgins. Okay. <laughs> Number okay. four is the dress codes. Nice. Um, number th- <laughs> number three, I don't get. It says Cosmo. I don't know who that is. Number two is Stephen Curse Chapman's. <laughs> <laughs> and... Number one, he says, is the Christian High School Eagles. And there's a, he, he says the 1999 high school. Oh my gosh, there's a picture you have to see of the mascot. <laughs> Anyways, sorry, this is not visual. This is auditory. But you should all check out MatthewPierce.com. It's pretty hilarious. He's just funny. If you, if you like making fun of us as Christians, he's one of us who makes fun of us. Yes. Sins ranked. Denomination versus denomination round. He's like a tournament against denominations against each other. Mm -hmm. I mean, the Baptists have to win. Like, so my thought is if anytime you've had a church league that's normally softball or basketball, Baptists always win. Baptists are like the jocks of the denomination. That's that's because we're we feel fine getting whoever we want. That's really good. We like we don't care if you actually believe these. Can you say recruiting. this prayer? <laughs> Would you say this prayer real quick? You're in. <laughs> that is the help of just the prayer. Yeah. So one I, last question. You know I was pretty good in the vol- church volleyball league. I just want to point that out. I won a oh, lot yeah. of church volleyball. We always were great at volleyball. The uh, oh, there yeah. was the the set um, volleyball team with like Brian Joe and all them that like oh, never yeah. jumped and could somehow mm-hmm. spike it from anywhere without jumping. It was crazy. They were, they were very fun to watch. So when did Paul's letters become something that people thought were for everybody instead of just the churches they were written to? And Ooh, man, why? See, that's a little more research. I'm not a Pauline scholar. Um, I think it was fairly early on. It was, you know, you got to think of how it happened. Uh, Essentially, it wasn't like people were like, oh, this is for all people for all time. But he did, a lot of them, you read, I'll, I, I can't off the top of my head tell you which ones, but, um, but but when Paul would write it to a specific church, he'd be like, pass this on to the other people in your region. Share it mm-hmm. with others around you. Now you got to think there's no like teaching circuit. He, he can only come every two, three, four years to see people in a region to right. come and talk with churches. Um, and even writing to people took a long time. So there's a certain thing of he would know what was going on in a region, and he, I mean, he's who God raised up in a certain unique way. He was a scholar, a Jewish scholar, who was 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 super wise and then had a life-changing encounter with Jesus. So he had, like, a unique way of understanding theology. He was kind of raised up to kind of formulate this stuff. And so it was passed around from church to church because that was sort of what it was meant to be done. Um, mm-hmm. I, as you read other stuff, what was interesting, the letters weren't necessarily always just like, here, you all read this, consider how many people were illiterate or spoke different language, read different languages in the right. regions. So most of them, 
most of his letters were actually meant to be performed. So he would send a messenger or there would be someone who goes and takes the letter and they would have the letter essentially memorized that they would perform for congregation. When I say congregation, we're talking like a couple of households, including their slaves and families and extended families. So maybe, you know, you're from 30 to 60 people, maybe gathered in a house with someone performing Paul's letter to them about what he's telling to them. And this would just happen from place to place. I have no idea what that would like. No, I, I mean... Sounds crazy. Sounds way different than what we would expect. Are, but are you, I'm, what I'm basically hearing is that Paul is to blame for the popularity of the mime. Yeah, Paul, Paul, and the mime. Although I uh, he, did, I say he performed them without words because well, you were saying <laughs> are it, you gonna... it translates to other languages and stuff. So it's basically well, action based. The right? people who gathered together <laughs> spoke the same language. Come okay. on. <laughs> oh yeah that would be really weird mimes mm-hmm, mm-hmm. he had he someone doing sign language in the everything. corner happy hands club that's the <laughs> origins of the happy hands club paul paul happy hand paul the happy hand paul and no, the happy hands nope i think we <laughs> nope. let's stop that nope. one yeah no nope, not happening sorry paul so i'm not yeah. praying to him but i'm in in case i don't know can can dead people hear us? I don't know. He was There's very uncomfortable with that, if so. Yeah. Which I'm kind of dead. okay with saying something that, that out of context makes Paul feel very uncomfortable. Because let's be real. Yeah. He's done he that loved doing that to us. So, <laughs> Yeah, Paul. You do that to me all the time. So, All right. Wobbling out of this. And with that. That was good. <laughs> that was really good. I'm glad that we discussed that, Brad. Hands up means we're back. And we're back. Oh my gosh. What a conversation, James. Thanks so much for having that. And I'm going to pretend like I listened to yeah, it. Yeah, I know you have no idea what not was said a, at all. Not a dang clue. Right now. But that's not relevant. What is relevant is having y'all, if you still appreciate this podcast, enjoy it, to uh, give us a five-star review on iTunes, iTunes Podcasts or wherever you listen. And it may be iTunes. I kind of like that name. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah, but... It's workout music. When you take um, a minute or two to to give us a quick review, that helps other people find us. And actually, what's even easier than that is to tell your friends about it. So if you enjoy this and you have other people that you think would enjoy it, please let them know. Um, We always like new people to be listening. So we also have a website, everythingisokay.net. Net, and you can go there, and there are links to our social medias. So you can check us out on Facebook and Twitter. Give us an old follow. Let us know what's going on on the tweet tweet, and uh, it'll be nice. So, so I just remembered. Do you remember when uh, we were making our website, and you made it? Yeah. And then you were like, "All right, let's see what this looks like." And you typed in the address and hit enter, and it was like. There's nothing here. <laughs> <laughs> you were livid, and you kept trying it and kept trying it, and you're doing like .org or something. Yes, <laughs> I was definitely the putting the address. wrong website. In. Yeah, and it was such a rage oh, for yeah. like 15 minutes before you're like, oh yeah, it's done. <laughs> <laughs> 
but I haven't forgot since then. No, we were actually sitting on my porch at our at our old place. Yeah, that yeah. happened. That was that was traumatic, man. I was like, did I really just do all that work for nothing, or did I forget our website? And it was actually I forgot it. So there you go. Speaking of our website and stuff, yeah, did you mention our Patreon. Because yeah, there's a link right on the opening page. Actually, it's to do uh, that. Patreon is a great way that uh, you can do. Um, small one-time payments or um, do reoccurring payments and um, be able to financially help us out for us to pay for things like equipment and website and diagnostics and all of that kind of things. David's sunscreen. Yep. And we actually do occasionally put uh, little fun things for our Patreon supporters um, to check out. And also, our Patreon supporters uh, get the first chance to give us episode ideas, give us feedback that we then turn into a future episode. So you actually get to be a part of the creation process. And that's really fun. So check us out there. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it now. Also, I have to say this before we, uh, before we wrap up. No. We are going to have a future episode... <laughs> that's it and he was just wanting you to know that I wanted we're not y'all done to know that we're not finished quite yet no legitimately though we're definitely going to do an episode on aliens um again we're going to revisit it after james has a chance to watch this crazy documentary on netflix with bob lazar spelled l-a-z-a-r that almost turned into a trump impression um <laughs> You and, mean you almost mispronounced it? Yeah, Bab Lazar. Um, I want to say laser, but that's not how you pronounce it. But um, it's you know actually what? Lazar. Just but do it. Bob Lazar. He knows who you're talking about. He does. He does. He definitely doesn't want you visiting his house, though, after I listened to a pretty interesting podcast. For all of those of you who were about to head to Bob Lazar's house. Yeah, for all of you UFO fans out there wondering what implications that has on your actual faith, um, do not go to his house. He doesn't want you to be there. But legitimately, um, I we listen to a lot of podcasts. Joe Rogan podcast is not a podcast that I have listened to, but I listened to an episode that had Bob Lazar Lazar um, on it. It was super interesting. If you have any fascination with um, whether or not there's life out there besides on this earth. You should definitely check it out, and we're going to be talking about it in the future. So you know what? So. Go ahead and uh, go to our Facebook page or whatever and give us some feedback on thoughts on aliens, and we yeah. uh, we may include whatever people say in that episode. Yeah, that would be that would actually be awesome. So much love. So I guess we'll uh, we'll wrap it up today. All right, Brad, wrap it up. Brad, just take it out for us, man. Um, I'm David Meggs. I'm James Eisenhower. Everything's okay, people. Driving down your street Slowly so I can see there's a light 
Shining in your living room And I just might Start to try to break through I've got a little fight Left for you The road seems longer Void of sound And these headlights They only go so far And I just might Try to catch them off guard Into the endless night I've got a little fight Under these scars You didn't ask me to Stay, stay, stay. 